right, Media Roots Radio. Um, this is the actually the fourth episode we've done over the phone, um, but we we basically had we fucked up on our first two. <laughs> so so this is uh so this is the second one that's going to come out. And uh, yeah, it's great seeing you in Russia today. You can ask and uh, just answering or asking people questions that actually are different than most news channels. It's yeah, really it was, fun it was you really, there. really fun. It was really fun to do the, the Ron Paul, Rand Paul uh, segments because my brother and I, you know, we were we're, we're fans of Rand, Ron Paul, not necessarily Rand Paul, but we're fans of Ron Paul. We have been for a while just because of his uh, genuine quality as a politician. It's pretty rare to see someone who's unwavering and like everything that they believe in so for that alone is pretty respectable but I mean we did vote for him in 2008 um, we're, we were upset that he didn't choose to run third party I don't really know how I feel now but above all it was really enjoyable for me to kind of get out that frustration that I have like about how many people just are unquestioning of anything that the Paul family does or, yeah. or that they're delusional and think that he's still gonna win like even when he himself came out conceited and his son is endorsing Romney it's like how are how do you seriously still think that Ron Paul is gonna like win the presidency I'm just confused I I don't even know I mean to me that that whole thing of him still winning is like I I mean it's it is ridiculous that people are still holding out that hope but it's to me it's even more ridiculous that people are making excuses for him for Rand Paul saying like oh he was vying for the VP it's like what it's like you're it's just so shocking to me. Well, it's not shocking. I guess it's, it's expected <laughs> when people completely go back on their ideals or they act like they're okay with something that they were just saying was terrible or would be like a deal breaker for them. I mean, I'm, I even listen to the generic conservative talk shows. You know, I mean, I've talked about this before. And they were all so anti-Romney. They, they hated him. Yeah, but now it's yeah. like, he's great. You know? Sean Let's Hannity thinks up. he's fucking awesome, dude. Saddle up with him. It's just... It's just so hilarious the way people just play the game and have no convictions, no backbone, no integrity. And it's the same shit with Rand Paul, you know, Ron Paul. It's people with Obama. It really is in the same style of loyalty and blind, like blind faith, really, in his son or, or whatever. I mean, you know, oh, he's not his son. Well, I mean, at the same time, though, it's like, does his son not care about the so-called liberty movement? Wouldn't he want to not sell out like that? I mean, it just yeah, doesn't like, make it, any it's sense. Like they're, they're making it seem like the GOP is on the same semi, the same wavelength. They couldn't be farther from the libertarian movement. They're the exact opposite of what the libertarian, the true, like, love illusion yeah. movement stands for. Like, completely ending the military. It's like the complete opposite. And when you're spending over half of everything that our country makes and over half of all Americans' taxes on foreign policy, the military, all of this shit... Why it's like it's so far off base, and that's why a lot of like liberals and progressives are actually have catered toward libertarian ideals more so because they realize that you know libertarianism is more in line with like the non interventionism and, and not invading all these countries needlessly and yeah, killing which people. is which is what attracted. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I don't mean to speak for you, but I'm guessing that's why you. And I mean, I know that's why I was attracted yeah. to Ron Paul was his 
extreme conviction on foreign policy and continually disagreeing with the current way things were going. I mean, him and Dennis Kucinich are the only people. Even though, actually, if you... Right. I mean, they both voted for the Afghanistan war, I believe. So they're not completely great. You know, I mean, they have flaws just like everybody else in Congress. But when I was watching you interview Lou Rockwell, I... I was really surprised that he was still making the claim that Ron Paul is the only one in the Congress that is, like, real, you know? And that's not the truth. I mean, he's one of the better ones, but, I mean, he's a politician. He gets donations. He got over $20 million, including our money, and he spent it on nothing good. I mean, I honestly don't think he ran a very good campaign with the money that he spent. I, I think he did it poorly. I, I don't. I mean, I don't know who the money went to, which staffers were being paid, but I think it was bungled. You know, I yeah. mean, the media is what actually gave him most of the attention this time. It wasn't his campaign itself. Yeah, I mean, it just, well, the way the and people will make excuses for it, but the way he was running the campaign was that he was going to go till the very end. Like it is. That's what he I'm said like last time. I'm like vying for this fucking candidacy. Like I'm gonna go for it. The delegate thing, like training all these delegates, spending so much time and resources. I understand that it's quote about the message, but you can't have it both ways. It no. can't be about the man and doing everything you possibly can and putting all your faith behind Ron Paul, and at the same time being like, well, it's not really about Ron Paul. It's about the message, and it's like, well, the, and then it's okay for the message to get diluted into generic Christian. Um, anti-Muslim knee-jerkery. I mean, that's what it's, has happening. I mean, the people who are supposedly pro-liberty movement now, I mean, most of them are very generic Christian Republican people. I mean, at least from my perspective, they don't seem to really understand the true nature of what they're, like, believe in. It's just like a, you know, it's just like, well, the Republican Party is like, uh, I don't know, it's just it's fucking sad. <laughs> well, I, 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 I can't say that... that you know the same exactly, but um, but well, what what I will say is that people have definitely are definitely apologizing for Rand Paul's actions and saying that he you know he he must have been threatened. It's like no, he just he oh just sold God. out, dude. Like he's a politician. Ron Paul also, we can't forget what he did uh, to nine eleven truthers and, and basically, I mean, Alex Jones and Infowars made Rand Paul. They put him on the map to a lot. A lot of people, and really were like rallying for him, and, and that really started. And the nine eleven truth people, yeah, really were rallying for Ron Paul. And so, I mean, I don't know. It's just it's just weird. It's like it, I think you said this in some thread or something, but you're like, how come Ron Paul couldn't go out on the floor with Kucinich and read the articles of impeachment that Kucinich wrote, and also just say, yeah, we need a new. Inv-. I know he did say we need a new investigation, but he also turned his back and kind of. Uh, character assassinated people who were asking questions about 9-11. Yeah, and they tried to. The media was trying to associate him with 9-11 Truth for the first time he entered the debates with Rudy Giuliani and stuff. And if you remember, that was like... I mean, Rudy Giuliani was running on Mm 9-11, so it was such a setup in order to uh, character assassinate him from right out of the gates. I mean, it's the same as Van Jones... Um, you read all the articles from when he got fired from the Obama administration, and the articles headlines all say "controversial Obama appointee" sign, like is a nine eleven truth or something. It's like they just start off with the supposition that he's controversial. It's like 
Thanks yeah, for telling yeah, us yeah. that you that you're telling us he's controversial, so we can understand that that's the, the, the truth. Like it's just a self fulfilling, yeah. you know, feedback loop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just it's by just saying oh, this person's controversial, why? Because they're saying that the government's <laughs> narrative is completely yeah. insane. Like that, that's controversial. controversial to have a question about something that everyone has in their mind. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just funny the way that it works. And Ron Paul couldn't handle the heat because. He knew that he would have to make friends with the Republican Party to a certain extent to be able to climb the ranks. And maybe, I mean, I'm not making excuses for him by saying this, but maybe he wants to speak at the convention. And there's probably a, I mean, there's a high likelihood he might be asked to, but what, I mean, what could he possibly say? He'd have to be really careful about the way he says stuff. They're not going to let him do a speech if he's going to do one on foreign policy and all that shit, you know? It'll have to be like a really generic, middle-of-the-road, Republican, uh, red meat kind of speech. Yeah, I just, it's just so... Also, I'm looking at who's donated to Ron Paul. No one really talks about this. I know that, you know, definitely all these branches of the military packs or whatever. Um, but it also is interesting that Boeing, Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman, which is really Weird. strange because... And another thing, I mean, I don't know. Webster Tarpley is saying, like, he was right all along and he... He called it that the Pauls were sellouts, blah, blah, blah. But Webster Tarpley was, had broken down his austerity plan and, and said that only 15% of the Pentagon's cuts was Ron Paul proposing. I just said that in a, in a Yoda way. I just said it backwards. <laughs> but, but that Ron Paul was only proposing to cut 15% of the Pentagon. And then, of course, you know, half of, of all these social services. And I haven't really looked that up and, and really researched it myself, but I mean, it, it that is really interesting. If it's true, it's very interesting that he... I mean, why? Why why go out with all this rhetoric that we need to, like, and, like t- you know, shut down every base in the world and end all the wars? Like, what, what would the Pentagon be spending its money on then? Like, I don't know. I think 15% is a really small number. Well, it and is. I was supposed to cutting, like, 90% of it. <laughs> And also, it's hard, to, it's hard to say if Ron Paul is just trying to appeal to certain sides by saying he would shut down the CIA yeah. and, and take all the, the troops home. I mean, what would he actually focus on first? I mean, he also wants to take away the Department of Education and the EPA mm-hmm. and, and food stamps. So would he do that first? I mean, I just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just absurd. I mean, I was even watching one of the... I always forget this guy's name. Who's the guy on Russia Today... Um, Who's broadcasting from New York? Who's like, who's kind of has like a, a really notable voice. He's like an older guy. I don't even remember. No, but I have no idea. He was talking to some guy from France and saying that we're that we have more food stamps or like more people on social services than any other country in the world. And I don't what? believe that. <laughs> I really don't. I mean. It's just, it's such a weird agenda. I feel like they're trying, the liberty movement or whatever, there's an agenda that's creeped into it, which is focused on stopping assistance for poor people, which is kind of troubling to me. I mean, not just kind of, it is very troubling to me that that's like a prominent belief among the, you know, that kind of ilk of uh, people, the Ron Paul followers and stuff. Well, yeah, that's where we kind of, I mean, even though I am most in line with libertarianism, I, that's where you and I kind of differ, and, and that's why we did Meter Roots, because, uh, you know, we don't fall, like, lockstep with the entire structure of this philosophical uh, ideology, that, that everything should be cut and, and all this stuff. I mean, we adhere to, like, a lot of it when it comes to civil liberties and foreign policy, pretty much everything on that line. 
but when you start talking about cutting all social services and having like zero uh, taxation at all, and like, I don't know, just like all self governance and stuff, it, it it really, and also the gay rights thing, and you know, leaving it up to states. It's like, well, what if we left voting for women up to states too? I mean, where where yeah. does it come to the point or where civil. we need like a federal overstepping? You know? Yeah, or the Civil Rights Act. I mean. I could understand the philosophical, like, technicality argument that Ron Paul and his son try to argue about civil rights, saying that it violates property rights. But at the same time, like, I really, I mean, you know, to call it a slippery slope law, you can make that argument. But at the same time, is it really that important to even, like, mention it? I mean, if you believe that, just don't talk about it. Cause it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's just really extreme, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's the like Civil <laughs> Rights Act did... So, I mean, in a way, it, like, forced people to not, you know, I mean, it, I don't know, it just... <laughs> yeah, the Civil Rights Act thing is, is absurd. I mean, why are we talking about this 50 years after it was... I mean, it's just absurd. And also just, I mean, it, this whole, like, states' rights issue trumping everything else kind of just puts the whole gay rights and abortion and the like drug legalization thing on the table every time when really it should just be like whoever's president should just be like all right all drugs are decriminalized you know and and gay marriage is legal i mean what else is there to talk about i i don't know i mean i'm okay with federal mandates that give people more freedom right exactly so why exactly there you just hit it right there I mean, what's the, so I understand the arguments against the consolidation of government, but at the same time, it's not like these governors who run these states are any more interested in freedom or making people allowed, you know, opening up the, the, the you know, just opening up society and making it more, you know, mm-hmm. like free and, and less, you know, big government. I mean, states have big government. Yeah, and look at California. I mean, barely any states have passed... Uh, decriminalization or legalization for the most part. I mean, so if if it were up to states, I fear that like the majority of states wouldn't do it. So it's like, that is less freedom for everyone. It just doesn't... It's just <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is a really... It's just, it just goes to show that things are just... I mean, they, if, if we were to change the system, it would have to be more nuanced than saying like, give all the rights to the states. You know, everybody secede from the nation or whatever. Like... Just, I don't just don't think that would work out as well as people think it would. Yeah, well, vo- a lot of Ron Paul or a lot of people who are like extreme libertarians believe in voluntarism, which is essentially anarchism, where like everything's self-governed and and it is a, a really fascinating concept. And I know that Pork Fest, this big festival they do in New Hampshire every year, the New States Project or the Free State Project or whatever, where they're trying to get like a massive amount of people to actually secede from the state and govern themselves and so they have this celebration every year and it's all about this just exploring this philosophy and stuff and I and I talked to a lot of people at Bilderberg who go to Porkfest and, and I might even go check it out this year to, to just see what's going on but a lot of people who have gone talk about it and say like well look it works in this community and it's just like well <laughs> Okay, so that that concept of trade and, and self governance works in a community of like yeah five hundred people, but it's just hard to take such a radical concept and apply it on, on already such a flawed system that's run by the corporate mob. I mean, I don't know. It's just it's how could we insert this pocket of radicalism that that actually may be the answer? I mean, who knows? We don't know. 
But at the same time, it just I feel like there needs to be a stepping stone. I don't know. It is yeah. really hard. I mean, if people... I, I'm all for the idea of people wanting to have their own system of laws mm-hmm. and trade and commerce within like their own communities. That's, that's great, you know? Yeah. I mean, people should be driving towards that instead of trying to get the federal government to listen to them because the federal government is like a glacier. It's unstoppable. Mm-hmm. I, mean, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, what Lou Rockwell was saying is like partially true that it's like not the change is not going to come from the inside. It has to come from people doing things from the outside. And if you want to, if you have the resources and you already know a lot of people who believe in these things, very hardcore, there are places in the United States where you could establish kind of a commune or a society. I mean, like Montana, I mean, Alaska, Hawaii, they're very, very, the laws are very lax in places like that. Mm -hmm. And you could get away with doing, I mean, you know, Muslim people who live in the United States, you know, everybody talks about Sharia law being this, like, really draconian, scary thing, but they kind of already have, I mean, Sharia law for a lot of Muslims is, like, their own community, um, like, system of, of laws, you know, like, where they can resolve issues through their community rather than going to the cops or something, like, for uh-huh, something like uh-huh. And a lot of the times it works. I mean, I've watched, like, Sharia law hearings, and it... Actually, it makes a lot of sense from if you're the pr- from the perspective of a Muslim who lives kind of in their own isolated community, you know. So I don't know. It's it's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of ways to go about it and to think about it. Well, and also if you're looking at the country as a democracy, which it really wasn't in the first place. I mean, is a democracy the best way to to govern when it is mob rule essentially? I mean, look at every election in the past decade and a half. It's all been like. 50-50, and then slowly, like, someone will win, like, 51 or 52% over 48. And then, like, the next, I mean, even though, of course, there is really no differences between the political parties that we're given, it just seems like we should be questioning even the fundamental principle of, like, the mob rule mentality of a democratic society. But also, we don't even live in a, in a democratic society because the electoral college is so goddamn confusing, and the delegates... And all these things, it's like we really don't, our votes literally, like, aren't represented and they aren't counted. I mean, the Electoral College is just so absurd as a concept. Why would we have that? It is is absurd. And also, I mean, if you look at any other popular, you know, populated European country, they have so many different political parties represented in their governments. I mean, they have socialism, communism. I mean, even Germany has, like, a fascist party that got a lot of votes this time, or I think, like, something like that. <laughs> so, I mean, we only have Republican and Democrat. We don't have... We have no left-wing representatives at all. We, all we, no, have we, we just have no diversity. Yeah. Yeah. We have no, like, diversity of opinion. It's all extremely rigged. I mean, from on every level. Yeah, it is. You know, and even down to the voting rigged. machines, if you want to get really cynical. Right. That. They have a fail-safe, you know? It's like, they even have a fail-safe for something that's already so <laughs> controlled and so rigged. It's like, oh, shit, like, actually, like, they're going to vote for, like, a Democrat we don't want. Okay, you know, rig that shit. Yeah, it's like, or, even if, even if like, everyone spent all their time and energy and we actually, and, like, Dennis Kucinich or Ron Paul actually did have a chance of winning, they would just rig it. So it's like, where is all this energy and money and time going to yeah, when they'll, you're they'll feeding either. into this flawed fucking establishment corrupt system yeah 
in the United States, and the way that we spend money on advertising our media, it's the most sophisticated propaganda on earth. I mean, it, it just is, and it's on a daily basis. I mean, did you see that thing that came out that, or in the NDAA, the new NDAA this year? Because they pass a National Defense Authorization Act every year to fund, like, it's a supplemental, like, war bill. And that the last year, of course, that extra provision was tacked on that said that we can be indefinitely detained, you know? And uh, this year, they basically, like, put another provision on that said um, that we're lifting the propaganda ban here. And I was like, wait, what? We had a propaganda ban here? Wait, wait a second. What, what does that even mean? I, I, it says that now we That's can be really propagandized to by the federal government. I was just like, well, what do you call what we've been seeing the last... 20 years. I mean, what, yeah, what, how much more propaganda can we really... Like, was it illegal before? Like, we already knew that the news could lie legally. So strange. I mean, yeah. everything. Anything with a lot of money behind it is propaganda. Right. I mean, I mean, you know, with the exception of some, you know, just fun popcorn Hollywood movies, I mean, I can't really see much, much propaganda in the, like, something like The Avengers, you know, but, like, I was watching <laughs> the ABC Family Channel... Which is absurd. If you, if anybody out there listening to this has not seen ABC Family Channel, I recommend it just to be horrified by Why? the level of it? programming. It's just, it, I guess it's a Christian-themed, like family spinoff to ABC, and they have all these really strange drama sitcoms and sitcoms on it that are so low-brow and just create. It's like watching they Sounds live. Like it's all like all of cable. It, it, but I mean, this is even worse. I, I know that it does sound like all cable, but watch it sometime. There was, there was a, literally a commercial for something that looked like a Mister Show parody of Three Men and a Baby, like a like a fake sitcom, but it was real, and it was like this guy going like, "Uh oh," and like a baby like left outside his doorstep. It was just what the hell. <laughs> and then there, I was watching this other one of like a of like a wife confessing to her husband that she's gay, and she just never was able to tell him before and it was like done in such a weird Christian way it's very hard to explain but (laughs) and then at night they have really extreme televangelism that like looks way higher budget than even like the you know the Pat Robertson stuff that you've seen it's it's super weird I mean (laughs) well I mean look at look at like how bad even that what's that really god it's 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 that smart dude what the hell is it called? It's like the most popular show on cable, or one of them. God damn it! It's like is it a, a reality show? No, it's just it's just some stupid sitcom of a girl with blonde hair and this really smart dorky guy who knows everything about science. And then the guy who was in Roseanne is like the guy. I don't even know. Oh, it's really <laughs> oh god, bad, yeah, dude. It's yeah, so yeah. Bad. I was I watching it, it the other day, and I was just like, "This is this is unwatchable." I mean, I don't know. It's just it's just really strange, but. And even Prometheus, like looking at something like Prometheus that is was written by the guy who made the show Lost, and and Lost sucked sucked in thousands, if not millions, of people. Well, millions, we know that. Um, all the time to to get to the very last episode, it was like over seven or eight seasons long, and then the very last episode explained nothing, and people were like defending it still, saying you know it's amazing and that we don't have to have everything it's it's up to your own imagination interpretation this is exactly what prometheus was it's like yeah. are we that dumbed down that we don't even care to like demand better entertainment <laughs> it's like politicians no, <laughs> we don't and they and they commodify i mean like i could equate something like what lost is trying to do to what like a show like twin peaks successfully did without 
trying very hard. I mean, it was just a really interesting, dark, mysterious show that the answers were really strange as well, but, like, you didn't care because the show was just done so well. A show like Lost, it's like you're waiting for something to happen. You're, you're, it's like you're dying of thirst and you need the water, you know, to survive. And the water, when the water comes, it's just, like, totally unsatisfying. Yeah, exactly. It's, like, polluted. You're like, oh, shit, that sucks. And, and people, I really do think people just have much lower standards today. I mean, and I even do it. I mean, yeah. uh, when, I, when I went into Prometheus, I had such low expectations. I, I knew walking in, okay, I got to lower my expectations because this movie costed $200 million to make. There's no way that this can be an uh, intellectual science fiction movie, yeah. like people are yeah. saying. And it wasn't. I mean, it was trying to be, you know, just like Lost was trying to be intellectual and it's like intellectual for dumbasses. It's like intellectualism yeah. for like dumb people. But right before I walked into Prometheus, this guy who worked at the movie theater was just like, oh, are you a fan of Alien Trilogy? And I was like, yes. And he was like, you're going to love this. And I was like, yes. And then I got so excited. And, and I just wish that he never said that to me. Because <laughs> it like, yeah. got me so hyped up. <laughs> I mean, the movie, uh, compared to all the other Alien movies, let's, let's talk about Prometheus a little bit more. Because we both just saw it. Like, the, the ending of each other Alien movie is actually pretty depressing. Except for maybe Aliens, because they go off on the ship, like, mm-hmm. with the kid and stuff. But, <clears throat> I mean, it's not... The ending to Prometheus was, like, a happy or something. It was like, we're going to go like, off to... You yeah. know, a, 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 a spoiler warning, don't, don't listen right here if you haven't seen it yet. But, you know, they... Yeah, it was like a happy ending. And, I mean, people hated Alien 3. It's widely regarded as the worst Alien movie. People hated it. Right. But if you actually think about it, that movie has much more reality and like philosophy behind it. She, another spoiler warning if you haven't seen it, I mean, Ripley dies in Alien 3 mm-hmm. for those, you know, who have seen it out there. And she, she self, she kills herself because she knows that she has a queen alien inside her. And I mean, that's like one of the most dark and depressing franchise movie endings ever. Right. It's actually very ballsy for a big budget movie to go in that direction you will never see a movie like that again right it just won't happen studios are are all they know how to make money better than they did before and it's all a numbers game now yeah and now and now since that's like the only since people have such low standards now it's like everyone's still gonna see it anyway even though they know it's bad it's not really being revered as excellent they're still gonna see it just because (laughs) yeah i mean we saw it I mean, yeah. it's visual eye candy. That yeah. that part of it was entertaining as fuck. I mean, it was, it's like, you know, parts of seeing these new movies almost like you're going on a theme park ride. It's just, they throw so it's much visual. Two and a half hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, if, you know, if anybody out there hasn't seen Prometheus yet, go into it with very low expectations. Uh, it's not as good as any of the real Alien trilogy at all. And I also <laughs> wanted to throw it out there that um, people should check out media roots we have some new stuff up we have a 9-11 propaganda archive part two and three um so it's newsweek time magazines uh the whole issues one of them is the afghanistan war lead up just all this propaganda about the afghanistan war and the bin laden confession tape quote unquote even though we know it was a cia sting operation um so it's this whole transcript of that confession tape in that magazine really encourage everyone to check that out um yeah, the, the 9-11 print, I mean, it's, it's print uh, publications. So mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff was never posted to the Internet. And it's all just full scans of all these print publications. And apparently the next few are going to be 
within the like one week after 9-11 or in the same week mm-hmm. um, so that's going to be really interesting to see and yeah and we have uh, a few articles on Stuxnet up right now and we, ha- we didn't get a chance to talk about this last time even though it's been obvious for a while but the Obama administration basically came out and said that they planted Stuxnet right. alongside of Israel they did it in concert so there you go, guys. Um, one of the most sophisticated, harmful computer viruses in the entire world was it was espionage by the U.S. government in Israel. Yeah, we already predicted it last year during a, one of our episodes, but now it's just admitted, and it's not even just admitted, it's like boasted. Like, yeah, America's yeah. behind it. Yeah. It's like, wait, so America's behind this computer worm that can that's already infected all these other con- computer systems. Like, it's now exposed in just the cyber space that that's like the big danger of it everyone's like wait like this is really awful because this could backfire and someone can hijack it and use it to infiltrate our country or like any other yeah. country it just is and so I, shocking and i and i honestly think that is the way that the u.s intended it to be i i really do think that there's such machiavellian thinking that goes behind some of this stuff that the people who probably admitted it were, they were waiting for a certain amount of time to pass, and then to admit it, you're, what you just said that it can be used, you know, that it can somebody can copycat the same structure of this virus and use it against us or the United States. I think that they want that, you know, yeah, or at least to plant that seed in people's minds. Right. Yeah, I mean, if an attack, a so-called cyber attack, comes, I mean, it'll be impossible to tell if it's us or someone else. You know, I mean. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem, is that you won't be able to tell. And now with this, you know, we basically built the the blueprint for cyber terrorism for the whole world. We're just like, here you go, bro. Even though we were out there saying like a year ago, you know, if anyone, cyber terrorism is going to be the number one threat, and, and we released this big document, not we, but obviously Obama administration released this document about cyber terrorism specifically saying that if anyone conducts cyber terror against this country, it will be seen as a military, like, we will have the right to react militarily. Like, not even just, like, we're going to pass legislation and this and that. It's like, this is an act of war. Like, they, they said this themselves. So, I mean, and then now they're coming out and saying that they've basically been already engaging in, with, in warfare with Iran for the last, over the last year. Yeah. But it's just this doublespeak that no one even questions. It's like, yeah, it's already known that Stuxnet was created by the U.S. and Israel. Uh, you know, the assassination of the nuclear scientists, have we haven't taken responsibility for that, of course, but we know that that was also uh, the U.S. and Israel. But yet no one's correlating the fact that Obama and all this fear-mongering about cyber terrorism saying that it's an act of war and it should be treated that way. Like, how, is no one applying that to the fact that Iran is victimized by our, like, aggressive war tactics right now, and that we're, like, infiltrating their shit and killing people over there? It, it has no consequence on us whatsoever. I mean, it's... Yeah. People still, to this day, I mean, Dad, you know, he's an expert in, in Kennedy and World War Two and Vietnam. He didn't even know anything about the pre-Bay of Pigs, uh, Operation Mongoose, um, and all the different black ops stuff we were doing in Cuba. Like, we were... We hired thousands of Cubans to infiltrate high-level positions in the Cuban government, in Castro's government, and, and also to sabotage crops, food supply, um, supply lines, public roads. I mean, we blew up roads and stuff, mm-hmm. bridges, you know? And 
I don't know if we're doing that kind of stuff in Iran, but I mean, we're more clever than that now. We've learned, you know, we've, we've adapted to the way that the stuff, kind of stuff has to be done. So I just don't think people care. And another thing that, that's happened since we last had an episode was is the kill list. The official kill list that Obama's overseen. They also have, his administration has a Terror Tuesday wrap-up where they go over all the, the different things that they want to do and, you know, probably talk about the kill list, too, and who they're going to assassinate next. But, I mean, it's just absurd. It's, it's an absurd, hypocritical, Orwellian concept to have this person who won a Nobel Peace Prize before he even freaking took office just based on rhetoric and nothing else is now overseeing a fucking kill list. Like, that that's the country that we're living in right now. This guy is overseeing an assassination list that includes multiple U.S. citizens. Not that it matters because a human being is a human being. But, I mean, that's absurd. I mean, can you imagine if Bush did that? Just imagine if Bush did that. I know we say this all the time, but I just can't. It would just be insane. He he already used his, like, cash his uh, all the way up from all the stuff that he did. So, like, Obama yeah. doing it is perfect because... Right. People's guard is so down. They're just like, "Oh yeah, kill us. That's great. You know, we need to target the Al Qaeda instead of." And it's like an anti-war. People spin it into like an anti-war or anti-military invasion kind of philosophy, yeah. but it's not. Yeah, Glenn Greenwald made a good point. He was just like, "So I guess the only two options now are kill people with drones or like invade countries wholeheartedly, just like completely occupy and invade countries and kill everything, or just kill." pockets of hundreds of people on a daily basis with drones so that that's that's the two options that people can only conceive of and those are the two publicly known options you know yeah and then we already know that all this other covert warfare hold on one second and just the rebranding of bush policies and 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 everything that's going on now and it's just just seems like every day you know the kill list uh the cyber terrorism stuff it's just like ugh makes me sick <laughs> yeah <laughs> no. I mean it's out in the open is the thing that Alex Jones used to always say the Nazis you know they made public intimidation part of their plan but they didn't put this much stuff out in the open as like public news stories like we have a kill list you know I mean right right and it's all done under this fake guise of like leaks or anonymous White House leaks but I mean whenever I see something like that now I just assume that it's someone from the inside trying to guide the narrative and they want people to know that this kill list is out there it sends a chilling effect to certain people it's it's a preventative measure for pre-crime the yeah, way that they right. the way that they officially look at it you're right you're absolutely right it's crazy i mean you know eco-terrorism you know i mean i don't know i mean if you're an eco i mean who's who's on there that's not supposedly like an islamic fundamentalist i'd like to know that who's on the kill list yeah, like who's on the kill list that's not, you know, supposedly in, quote, Al-Qaeda or, you know, like an Islamic you know, extremist or whatever. The bullshit. Yeah, I mean, and that's the problem is that once these people are dead, you know, there is no due process for them. I mean, once again, like we did hold the top Nazis on trial. Um, even even Saddam got a trial. It's like, why why is it okay Fundamentally, even if these people are in Al-Qaeda or whatever the hell else they're saying or, or whatever would-be suicide bombers, whatever, why is it okay to just take out people and assassinate them completely without any sort of due process of the law? I, I don't understand that. Because, Abby, it saved lives. 
So we are living in Minority Report right now. I mean, in a in a way, yeah. I mean, Philip K. Dick never. I don't think he foresaw. I mean, his thing is kind of like a parable for, you know, the idea of pre-crime. Like we'll have psychics that will detect when you know these team of like weird psychics hooked up to a computer that'll. We don't even need that though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about fear and intimidation. Right. You know, you keep you have an open-ended word like terrorism. And if you're politically active enough, you fall into that gray area of being potentially a terrorist. That's ridiculous, yeah. There's there's also these machines that they have um, for police units that just surveil, like, a hundred license plates all, like, as the car is driving. It's just, like, one fell swoop. Um, it's just this giant machine that can take in all the data from all these surrounding license plates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then they're saying that it's good because, you know, if there's a stolen car or whatever, it's like, so just because one person might have a stolen car, like, out of maybe, like, 10,000 cars out there, like, that that, that gives you the reason to just document everyone and, and where everyone's going and driving to? That's crazy. But that's happening. That's already happening. It's already being uh, unleashed in multiple cities. Yeah, I mean, I think we're only like a few years away from GPS-based um, speed, you know, infraction tickets, like cameras that see how fast you're going and then just issue a ticket. That's already happening in Chicago. Really? Yeah, um, Rahm Emanuel has set up the first, and of course he's getting massive lobbying donations from this one company that created these cameras. But they're set up, and if you go over five miles over the speed limit, you automatically get a ticket. And and but it's only for a certain percentage of areas, like in the in the proximity of children. But then like someone broke it down, and they were just like, "That's like ninety percent of Chicago," because there's like so many schools. Yeah, so that that is happening. I mean, it's just amazing that you just you just like speculated that is next. That's already that's already happening. <laughs> I mean, it's just. Once we all have GPSs on us, yeah, which we do, our phones. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's I insane. Mean, it, it, it would be kind of scary to think about having kids right now, for that reason alone. <laughs> Just like, what kind of world would they grow up in in the United States? Yeah, it is. Uh, it is really intense. It's really, really intense with drones and. I don't even know. I mean, did you hear about that drone that just crashed here? What do you mean? In the the U.S.? Yeah. No. Hold on, let me look it up. (laughs) Yeah, there was a drone that just crashed. Uh, Navy drone crashes into Chesapeake Bay. What's a a drone doing in Maryland skies? (laughs) Oh, my God. So a drone crash in Maryland. Um... Yeah, I mean, it was a $200 million drone, so I'm assuming it wasn't one of, like, the small ones. It was a... I don't know if it was actually, uh, armed. But, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. $200 million. Yeah. $200 fucking million. Bunch of idiots. I mean, who would... If, like, some person on Kickstarter wanted to make a drone, you think they would be dumb? I mean, like, even if they recreated down to, like, reverse-engineered what this U.S. government drone does, wouldn't cost $2 million or $200 million. Like, yeah, seriously. Well, how? They're just so dumb. Who's designing these things? <laughs> they just have an endless supply of money. They're just like, oh, shit. We could, you know, I mean, there's probably, like, so much 
rare earth and just so much unnecessary shit inside of those that like proprietary software that they buy from uh, you know Raytheon and all these companies it costs probably hundreds of thousands of dollars just for the software you know that's what doesn't make any sense when people are like we can't you know eliminate the whole like we can't spend money on anything we're broke like why can we why can we afford this absurd spending on these like toys for the military on a fucking daily basis and schools are closing and people are fucking homeless there's no jobs someone was telling me the other day they saw the fair share of the common heritage video that i did for project censored and they were just like you know this is socialist and and this is the worst idea I've ever heard that we should all, like, property values aren't good and, and that people should be democratically control the resources that we need to survive. And I was just like, well, first of all, it's just, it's just kind of introducing the philosophy of the commons, of the fact that everyone on the planet needs water, everyone on the planet needs, like, air. You know, just these fundamental things. It's not talking about, like, property, really, or anything that we've created monetarily it's just talking about like the the properties of the earth and the elements of the earth and and just the fact that people can't even grasp that it's like it's just so far removed from people's brains it's the, I mean, well, it's the capitalist ideology has taken most people over even if a lot of people are like you know I'm not a capitalist you know but I like I'm okay with it like I think that it goes deeper than that where it's like a survival of the fittest thing where it's like you know, if you didn't find these rare earth minerals first and you didn't have the money to build a mining company to dig it out, then you're lost, you know? Right. They, they did the hard work to get it, you know? It's like, but at the same time, yeah, it is... The planet should be looked at as a little bit more collectively when it comes to things like rare minerals that who knows how many of them actually exist, you know? Right. It's, it makes you think. I, I only have 20 seconds left, so let's let's wrap it up for now, unfortunately. Okay. Well, thank you for listening, and we'll we'll do another broadcast soon. Definitely check out MediaRoots.org. Donate to Media Roots if you want to see these broadcasts continue. We're really strapped for volunteers and time, and we're trying to keep it going as best we can. And appreciate everyone's support. And uh, I'll talk to you soon, Robbie.